Yeah. Stop me. Stop me. Stop me. Uh. Once upon a time, the people pleaser and me would hold back. So God said this message is much bigger than rap It's been happening for years, we've seen it across the map The boomerang flow, me and Tom just brought it back What's going on everybody? Welcome back to the Turn on the Jets podcast I'm your host Will Parkinson, at WillPaw11 on Twitter Joined by a very special guest today, Mike Clay of ESPN You can find Mike on Twitter at MikeClayNFL Or on uh, ESPN.com, ESPN Plus, a lot of his work in the fantasy world Free agency, anything you need to know in the NFL um, he's a go-to guy, a great follow on Twitter. Mike, how's everything going today? Uh, it's, it's going good. Uh, keeping busy, obviously. We're uh, recording this during free agency, so uh, a lot going on here. Yeah, no, it's exciting time where this will be you know, recorded uh, you know, March 23rd around lunchtime. So if anything happens before this comes out on Thursday, um, you know, <laughs> can't, uh, can't take any fall for that. But yeah, no, how's, uh, you know, how's, have you seen that free agency process kind of work itself out, kind of like the way you expected or um is it something that's been a little you know obviously a little different with the, the cap going down and everything like that yeah it's uh, it's been uh, about as expected I think I expected more cuts rather than restructures I mean obviously we expect a lot of restructures but uh, I thought more players to be cut loose so that's good you know they're able to stick with their teams um you know just kind of fudge the, the cap a little bit we've seen that going on for years in the NFL so uh, maybe a little bit of that um probably uh, a bit of a soft wide receiver market. I mean, they've kind of been all scooped up now, at least at the top, but that was quiet out of the gate. Um, still a lot of talent in terms of edge rushers out there. So we'll kind of see how that plays out. But um, yeah, uh, nothing, nothing too crazy. I mean, it's, it's been, all, it's been wilder than the past just because of the lower cap, but uh, teams have, you know, they've, they've smart people running the front offices and they've done a nice job uh, uh, tweaking the contracts that they have and finding ways to get new players on the roster. So uh, pretty, yeah, pretty much uh, in the, in the ballpark of expected. Yeah. I was joking with a couple friends that salary cap's not real. Uh, just the way that you can kind of fudge it and, you know, extend Taysom Hill to a four year, $140 million contract. That's basically just trying to lower the cap number for this year. And it's all voidable. It's like the whole nine yards of salary cap, super interesting, you know, to me, but um, kind of want to talk through, you know, like I said, Mike's fantasy, I mean, uh, Mike's free agency chart on Twitter is um, something that I suggest every NFL fan to follow because it just gives you a really good perspective on where your team's at, where other teams are positionally, um, and where they can add or subtract. So, um, you know, from the Jets' perspective, obviously ranking, you know, right near the bottom, um, you defensively a little higher offensively, you know, pretty much as bad as it gets. But um, where have you seen some of the, you know, additions of a Corey Davis, a Carl Lawson, um, even a Keenan Cole, um, you know, where do you think that's going to be able to help the Jets going forward? Do you think you like those signings or you kind of add on them? How'd you feel about them? Yeah. I mean, look, we've been waiting for how long now for the Jets to make an impact move in terms of an edge rusher. I mean, it's been a long time every single year. I feel like I'm banging the table. Like what are they doing? Not finding impact players there. Um, but really they just needed a coaching change. Right. So, uh, you know, the, that's obviously big and, and we know, uh, Robert's going to be very interested in in uh, in improving the defensive side of the ball for the Jets. So I uh, love that they brought in Lawson. Um, you know, he's kind of peaked. He really peaked last season, and that worries you a little bit. But at the same time, I think it's uh, legit. I think he's a very good player, and it was a much-needed uh, uh, spot of weakness for this Jets defense. So I like what they did there. Um, offensively, I mean, look, the one – yeah, and then at wide receiver, I mean, look, you can never have too many this day and age, right? So many teams are running three wide sets, and, you know, I expect 11 will be the primary package for 
the Jets as well this season. So, you know, you for now you have Jamison Crowder in the slot. You have Corey Davis and Denzel Mims on the outside, and Keelan Cole can play all over the formation. So uh, that's, a, that's a pretty good four. I mean, not a lot of teams have uh, four as good as a, a guy like Keelan Cole, so I like that a lot. And we'll see how everything shakes out. But look, if Denzel Mims is the real deal and Corey Davis lives up to what he put on the on tape last season and Jamison Crowder stays healthy, uh, you have yourself a, a good wide receiving core. And maybe you don't need to get a ton out of Chris Herndon or the tight end position right now. So uh, I like what they did there. I think it was, a, again, another spot where they needed to address and they did a nice job doing that. They still need to add a body at running back. And obviously we know there are other Across the roster, there's still a lot, <clears throat> a lot of positions of weakness that they need to address. Yeah, running back and, and cornerback rank, uh, you know, lowest on your chart, obviously. Um, you know, they plan to add, I would hope, at both positions. And then I think they still need two guards and someone to play a uh, will linebacker. But um, kind of wanted to touch on just the AFC as, East as a whole. Um, you know, obviously the Jets have spent a lot of money, but they've spent, uh, you know, more, I would say, a more tame approach than they have um, in years past under McCagnan. Tannenbaum, et cetera. Um, they spent a lot of money because they needed to spend a lot of money. There's no one on the roster. Um, but, you know, look at a team like New England. Uh, where do you – do you like what they've done? I know free agency, spending this much on free agency rarely ever works past a year in. Um, but I know a lot of those contracts are backloaded. The cap's going to shoot up next year. But do you like what they've done? And does it mean that they could challenge Buffalo um, for that second, you know, kind of spot in the division? Um, I think uh, a lot will depend on Cam Newton, right? If he plays like he did in the first month last season, I, I maybe they could give the Bills a run. But I do still think the Bills are the best team in the division. Um, they have the best quarterback. Uh, Josh Allen really took a leap forward last season. They've had a an incredible ability to stay healthy. Uh, you know, every year I expect them to kind of regress to the mean in that department, but they haven't. You know, I, I don't know what's going on there, but they've done a terrific job in terms of keeping their players healthy, and that is super super important it's something that we just don't talk about that much and and really we shouldn't because it's a lot of luck right it's it's hard to go out each and you know year in and year out and and keep your guys healthy but the teams that last and go all the way tend to have very few players on IR uh, or injured and the Buccaneers are a great example of that last season Buffalo is an example uh, the Packers are an example a lot of those teams that made it far uh, were healthy so I think the Bills um Still the best team there. I do think the Patriots, though, and, you know, I was actually just tweeting about this. It's perfect timing. I think if you forget about the quarterback position, because we know how important it is and focus on roster talent otherwise, right? Uh, the Patriots, I think, are a borderline top 10 team on paper. And, and, you know, a lot of people are like, what are you talking about? That's insane. But this isn't last season, okay? And it's not 2018, and it's not 20, 2007. It's 2021. It's the current roster. Uh, not only did they bring in a ton of talent in free agency, they're getting a lot of opt-out players back. Remember, we were all uh, kind of shocked last season when like half of their defense opted out, right? Everyone thought they were tanking for Trevor. Right, right, I mean, exactly. So you can't, and I, I this drives me up a wall every single offseason. Whenever you, you make a statement about a team and someone says, well, last year they were bad, you know, they, they stunk last year. So this isn't last year. I don't care what their record was last season. They're all zero and zero. What matters is the team on paper right now. It's not the same 12 or 14 playoff teams every year. It's always new teams. It's always new contenders. And the way to figure out who those teams will be is not to just look at their record from last season. It's to look at the current roster. So it's super frustrating. I think if you've been paying attention, you're looking at their current 2021 roster, uh, you should be impressed by, by what the Patriots have on paper. They've done a nice job uh, putting a very, very good secondary together. 
The offensive line is one of the best in the NFL. They have a pair of uh, really good tight ends. Um, the skill positions on offense, yeah, uh, you know, I'm not super impressed by wide receiver, but I don't think they're going to lean on that position a ton. Um, and, and again, the defense, I think, is top 10 on paper, not to mention Bill Belichick. Uh, you know, all the all the talks always about Tom Brady and, and the offense, but really he has been tremendous on the defensive side of the football. They just don't allow that many points. Um, and, and last year was a bit of a letdown. So love the defense uh, up front on the offense is good. And it's really going to come down to what Cam Newton can do uh, here in his second season with the team. Um, I will say this, though, to wrap up the division. Miami is a team that I'm kind of surprised how low I am not, am on them. You know, they were an overachieving team last season. They did get rid of some of the players that helped them last season. This offseason, kind of surprisingly, um, they are unproven a quarterback with Tua. You know, he remember he uh, was not their best quarterback last season. Ryan Fitzpatrick was. How good is he? That's going to be huge for them uh, and what they bring to the table uh, here in 2021. And they again, they have weaknesses on the O line and on, on certain positions uh, on defense as well. So. I'm, I'm lower than most on the Dolphins right now, but I'm probably higher on the Patriots. And certainly like most, I'm high on the Bills. The Jets are fourth in line right now. They still have a lot of work to do. Yeah, no, I kind of would agree with pretty much everything you said there. I think people, um, you know, some people tend to overrate Cam at this point in his career. And some people now are underrating him, I guess. I don't think he's as bad as he was last year. COVID is a big deal. Everyone got affected differently who got it. Um, and the timing, the system, whole nine yards, but I don't think he's been very good for a while. Uh, I think it takes getting, you know, playing football my whole life. I can only imagine playing an extra 10 years on top of what Cam played has played and um, the amount of hits he's taken. It, it does take a toll on your body, but I like what New England's done. A lot of the, you know, they've, they're going to get teams to play in nickel with two really, really good passes catching tight ends who can block. So that does matter. Um, I think Buffalo is the class of the division. Like you mentioned, they've done a great job surrounding Josh Allen. They're well coached. They're great up front on both sides of the ball. That stuff matters. They have a number one receiver and good guys, you know, for depth. I'm very low on Miami as well. I'm kind of happy you said that. Um, I feel like sometimes it's a hot take when I say it, but I was I was banging the Justin Herbert drum for the last three years because I'm a diehard USC fan, as everybody knows, and Justin Herbert's a stud, and I thought he was going to be really good if he went to the Chargers just because he's a West Coast kid. It worked out that way, and I'm not that impressed by Tua. Um, I think it's kind of scathing when – Jalen Waller, Devontae Smith, yeah, I know they had great numbers this year in X, Y, and Z, and they won the national title, but it didn't even take two seconds for them to go, Max Jones is better. And normally, you know, it's always a political answer. Oh, they're both great. I enjoyed playing with them. They're going to be really successful. It was just like, boom, Max Jones is better. And that, to me, is a little – I would be a little concerned. And, you know, getting pulled in a week 16 must-win game for a 38-year-old backup quarterback who, yeah, he's electric and fans love him, but that's not the best uh, – it's not the best statement about how your coach's faith who drafted you. So, um, yeah, no, I would still have the Jets fourth, like you said, but I think with a good draft, which I kind of wanted to, you know, segue into how much would you say if let's say the Jets move on from Sam um, and, you know, they go do draft a quarterback at two, how drastically do you think they could climb in your rankings? Um, you know, a quarterback right now, it's, they're obviously very low. Um, how high do you think the Jets could get to um, with a good draft of either Wilson or Fields most likely? Uh, not much. I mean, you, you can't have high expectations for a rookie quarterback. It's just that simple. Um, you know, I think Justin Herbert moved the needle. That's fans and expectations? Uh, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, for this year. I'm just talking for 2021. I mean, I think uh, it's a little better, but you just have to be realistic with, with what you expect from, from a rookie quarterback. It's that simple. I mean, look back at the history of that position. Yeah, some of them are pretty good. They moved the needle a bit. None of them really, you know, none of them 
extremely move the needle. It's very rare for someone to come in and just turn a team from bad to a uh, contender. You know, it's just, it doesn't happen that often. And others really struggle like Tua, for example. Right. So um, we can't sit here and pretend like we know the future and we know that quarterback X is going to be great and quarterback Y is going to be atrocious in his first year and then maybe make a second year leap thinking like a Jared Goff or someone like that or Pete Manning even. We can't do that. I mean, if you're sitting there doing that, you're a bad prognosticator because you don't know and you have to accept and understand that we don't know everything. So you have to be conservative when you're projecting uh, rookie quarterbacks. You can't have super high expectations. So uh, I like Zach Wilson. He's second on my board. I think the Jets should take him and, and try to get a maybe a second round pick for Darnold if they can do that. I like to think if they had that offer on the table, they would have done it by now. But maybe they're waiting to see uh, if, you know, wait, waiting until they're done their evaluations of the, the rookie quarterbacks for so. Um, like them, think it would be great for the future of the franchise for sure. But in terms of, again, in terms of 2021 expectations, especially when you consider the state of the rest of the roster, I just don't think it's going to, going to move the needle too much. You know, I'd like, I tend to agree. I think, um, so unfortunately what happens and, you know, with fan bases, especially one like the Jets fan bases, you know, you have a decade of one season where you had a winning record and the rest of it's been pretty pretty terrible to watch, uh, you know, objectively. And, you know, you hear, oh, this guy's the next Mahomes, next Rodgers, which is unfair. I hate those comps because I just think it, you put this expectation that Zach Wilson's going to come in and throw for 40 touchdowns and five picks and lead them to a Super Bowl next year. It's not going to happen. Even the most optimistic person, you know, you got to be realistic with how, you know, once you got to transition, this roster is still bottom 10 in the league if you're being, you know, even positive. So I agree with you there. Um, you know, in terms of, something that's another, you know, kind of specialty years, you know, from a fantasy perspective, I know it seems too early, at, you know, in March, but a lot of, a lot of dynasty leagues, a lot of keeper leagues, um, you know, people that I know listen to the podcast and how do you see the effect of, you know, potentially a new quarterback or even with Sam in the new, in the new offense with a guy like Mims, like receiver position as a whole, Crowder, Mims, Cole, obviously Corey Davis, um, you know, moving teams. Do you think those guys could take a jump and be valuable, somewhat valuable pieces in 2021? Or it's still, you know, you're going to see a lot of undrafted Jets guys in, uh, you know, fantasy leagues this year. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll see what they do at, uh, well, first of all, quarterback, probably not going to see much fantasy appeal there for sure. Um, running back, we'll see what they do there. They're, there's no way they're done. They're probably going to draft one of the big three this year. Maybe they come out of, Nowhere here in sign a, a James Conner, Leonard Fournette. Again, when we're taping this, they're still on sign, so we'll see what happens. Um, but wide receiver, that's probably the spot where you're going to see the most attention to these guys, right? Jamison Crowder, obviously, when he has been healthy, has been heavily targeted. I think his target share will come down this season because of the additions, but uh, he should see, still be uh, plenty involved enough to at least be a, a flex option, maybe a, a wide receiver three in fantasy. Same kind of thing for Corey Davis. I think he should be valued very similarly. I have them, I'm working on my my post free agency rankings right now, actually. And uh, I have them very close around uh, 40th. I think Davis probably has the most upside because if he's legit and he lives up to his top five pick pedigree from Tennessee and, and he started to show a little bit of that last season, then maybe jumps up and is a top 20 fantasy receiver. So there is a little bit upside makes him a bit appealing. Mims, the problem there is uh, it's, it's crowded at wide receiver, right? Uh, you, you didn't give Keelan Cole that kind of money to stand around on the bench, right? He's going to be rotated in uh, to this offense. So either Mims comes in and he just shows he's a dominant player, or maybe he's as, he's as good as Davis or better than Davis. And he just demands the football. It's possible. That's enough to make him a late, you know, a late round flyer because, you know, the cream rises. We know that. 
Um, even if there's competition, if he's a star, he's going to get on the field. Think about a guy like Odell Beckham, right? Everyone was cutting him because he missed the game or two and was injured and he was buried on the depth chart behind basically average players. And we thought, ah, maybe year two for a lot of people thought that, but if you stashed him on your bench, the cream rose, right? Quickly, he became an impact player and, and was a, a fantasy star. So I think that's kind of, I'm not saying Mims is Odell Beckham, but that's how you value him as, as a late flyer, a guy you keep on the end of your bench and see uh, if he proves to be the real deal. If he doesn't, then you, you maybe you cut him loose if he's not getting the snaps. You know, that makes sense. I, I was just kind of curious. I know uh, I always get flack in, you know, my work leagues and, um, you know, with one of my, my brothers and stuff, I always try to take a flyer on one jet and see if it'll hit and then Obviously, uh, it's not hit very often, but um, kind of wanted to just go through a couple, uh, you know, a couple free agents that the Jets would been linked to and, you know, didn't end up getting. Um, and if, whether you thought it was a good, you know, kind of a stay away or uh, you thought the Jets should have been more heavily involved. Uh, we'll start with the Dory Jackson who signed yesterday. I thought it was a guy the Jets should have been in on with their lack of talent and depth at corner and, you know, being 25 and obviously last year pretty injured and, and wasn't great, but the couple of years passed, grayed out really well from a PFF perspective, high seventies, young guy, fast athlete, got a ton of money from the giants. Um, do you think there's a guy the Jets should be more aggressive on considering their lack of, you know, kind of depth to corner or is like a good hard pass just based on the money? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Uh, they 100% should have been in on him. Um, you know, my lowest unit ranks. And again, I, I rank every team one to 32 at 10 different positions to kind of come up with these unit grades. And then I, I weight them based on, based on positional importance, like, uh, like quarterback is the most valuable, obviously. Uh, but my lowest units are obviously running back 32nd and second is uh, the corners, right? I have them 31st out of 32 teams right now. It's a problem area that they need to address, and they have not done that yet. There are still few, a few players out there, and, of course, there's a draft, so they have time to do that. But I'm surprised they haven't gotten at least someone, right, an impact. Like one – I'm not talking Justin Hardy, who's a special teamer, right? Like they haven't added a starting corner yet. So Dory Jackson, I think, will bounce back. I think the Giants have done uh, – I'll, I'll give Dave Gettleman – you know, credit. He has his problems for sure, but he has done a nice job by adding some defensive pieces. And I think he's put a pretty good unit together here, um, including Blake Martinez and James Bradbury last year. But uh, bringing in a Dory Jackson to go opposite Bradbury gives them one of the best duos in the NFL. And if you're just going to sit there and tell me, well, look, a Dory's PFF grade was bad last year, or he didn't, you know, he's, he was hurt or he didn't play well. Don't waste your time. I mean, the guy, miss almost the entire season you know we, we were, were surprised he even played he didn't come back till the very end of the year and then the playoffs uh it was just a, a disastrous lost season for him before that he was a standout corner in the nfl one of the best in the business like you said he's only 25 years old uh love him a lot and he was very effective when uh when he was healthy in years past so i think the giants did a very good job bringing uh him in there and uh, hooking him up with james bradbury you really have to like the secondary uh, that they put together over there uh, in New York. But as for the Jets, yeah, they still have a lot of work to do. I like 
Marcus May, obviously, who doesn't. Marcus Joyner has had some of his best play at safety, so I like that they brought him in and moved him back to safety. I don't know what the, the Raiders were thinking with him the past couple of years. And then, uh, you know, so that's good. You have that in place. But what you have to do now is find yourself at two, maybe three impact quarters. I mean, just, I, yeah, know, I don't know. Unless Bryce Hall takes a big jump, which I'm confident yeah. he could be really good, but obviously you don't play football for 18 months based on a bad injury. It's going to take time, but to count on Bryce Hall and Arthur Millett and bless Austin again, I don't care how good the D line is. That's really risky in my opinion. Yeah. And you need three. I mean, they don't, you need, you need a third guy too, because your slot guy is going to play 60, 70% of the snaps and they just don't have it right now. I mean, you can't go into a season saying it, look, this six rounder from a couple of years ago, that's good. I mean, look, bless Austin was the six rounder. He's that's a, that's a good pick, but you know, a guy that can play uh, that's been playing almost every down. Uh, that's kind of like Jalen Mills for Philly, right? Like you get him in the seventh round. That was pretty good. That was a good pick in the seventh round, but that doesn't mean he should be your number one corner playing 95% of the snaps. And that's who you're relying on to slow uh, opposing top receivers. So uh, again, uh, it's a weak unit by all objective measures. They have a lot of work to do a corner. The other two guys I just want to get to quickly. Um, Joe Tooney obviously goes to the chiefs and taking out, obviously he's going to choose going to the chiefs over the jets at this point, um, based on the structure of playing Patrick Mahomes, he gave him a ton of money and he can go compete for Super Bowls like he was in New England. The Jets were going to need more of a money uh, money play and try to build the culture. But have you, are you surprised the Jets haven't been more active on the guard market? I know missing on guys like Tooney, uh, Corey Lindsley got paid a ton to play center. And I guess they, you know, internally view McGovern um, as, you know, a good center, which I would have rather kicked him to guard and sign Lindsley. But um, I'm a little shocked they haven't been invested in guard at all. And I know Connor Rogers mentioned this on the Badlands podcast with, you know, Joe that dropped today that it seems, you know, it, it is Douglas's job to find those guys, those day two, day three guards um, that can make Pro Bowls. But it does seem a little bit um, optimistic, if not only a little bit arrogant, to think that you're going to find two day one starters to plug in at guard at both guard spots and not be as aggressive as they have been. Are you shocked by that as well? Yeah, I mean, look at the Chargers as an example, uh, you know, a team that took a pair of guards and, you know, a guard slash center uh, about four years ago in the draft in Feeney and Lamp. Uh, that was their plan, right? Let's spend those day one, day two picks uh, and solve the interior of our line. And neither one of them panned out. Neither one of them is on the team right now. And yeah, they'll be the, Jets they'll sign, uh, the worst one of <laughs> I don't care if it's all at school. It's terrible. Yeah. Last few years. That's right. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's not, it is tough. Uh, the Chargers are a great example of struggling to fix those holes. And I think the Jets are as well, because I'll be completely honest. I, uh, a good friend of mine, Evan Silva, uh, was giving me a hard time last year. Cause I was like, I thought, you know what, the Jets might have an average, maybe slightly below average offensive line. You know, I didn't think it was going to be quite as bad as people thought because they brought in a lot of pieces and I thought, you know, Connor McGovern at center and, you know, they have a, a, a variety of guys that, at guard that have at times been solid. Okay, that's fine. Becton is a, you know, first round pick. That's always a huge question mark, but, um, you know, I, I thought he would be solid at the very worst and, you know, fan, eh, you know, not great, but I thought all in all compared to the rest of the league, it would be okay. And obviously it wasn't. So Becton's a good find. I think McGovern, despite not having a great year, I think, I think he can be okay, but otherwise you're right. I mean, they need to address the guard position and, and obviously fans, not the, the long-term option at right tackle. So, um, you know, we'll see. They they do still have time. There's some players out there. We still have to draft, but they need to improve that position. And and again, they they've been too quiet. There's just there's uh, too many weak spots that they haven't really addressed so far this offseason. It's been disappointing. Yeah, no, I, I I tend to agree. I 
joke all the time. And I, I've seen this kind of go around a lot of everyone that's offensive lines, either middle tier thinks their offensive line stinks. Anyone that has linebackers that are middle tier thinks their linebackers stink. And anyone thinks they have middle tier corners that in reality think their corners stink because you only see guys getting beat if you're a casual fan. You're not really paying attention to play and play out. But um, yeah, I mean, the O-line, obviously, like you said, in corner, probably two weak positions, especially interior. I think McGovern, like you mentioned, could be pretty good, but I think he needs good guards around him to be able to stabilize that offensive line and let him shine, you know, his brightest. But um, last kind of, you know, polarizing name that was on the market the Jets were heavily linked to. I was a huge advocate for the Jets signing Juju. He's 24. I think he, while he's not quite as effective the last couple of years as he was, you know, with Antonio Brown, where he had 114, 1,410 touchdowns, like at 21 years old. Um, I know he's primarily worked in the slot now. And, you know, the Steelers offense, the way it's structured with Big Ben trying to get the ball out of his hands, who um, I think had, was much worse last year than people want to admit. Um, I thought the Jets should have gone after Juju and um, potentially the restructured or traded Crowder um, at that number. He's at least 11-5 this year, which to me, I'm, with no guaranteed money, it would have been kind of a simple plug and plug and play guide, something that could be for the future. Do you think the Jets should have been more aggressive on Juju or you have you soured on him a little bit um, like a lot of people are in the NFL just with the TikTok stuff and um, his <laughs> lack of air yards per target? No, I haven't really soured on him. I mean, the, what this guy did when he was 20, 21 years old is unbelievable. So I think he's a terrific talent, still super young, only 24 years old. But, I, you know, it, it would not have moved the needle enough for me. I mean, it would have helped a little bit. He's probably a little better than, than Crowder, but Crowder's good too. So, um, and also you have Davis, Mims, and Cole, right? So I don't think you take out Crowder, put in Juju. Is your roster really that much better overall? No, and it's not. You you have much larger holes to worry about across the roster. That's what you need to address. You want to put a solid team on paper. You need to go after, you know, corners and uh, uh, perhaps another edge rusher. And and obviously the offensive line is a, a huge problem area. And, and of course, the big ones, you need to fix the quarterback position. So um, that's where they need to invest resources. I think what they did at wide receiver is fine for now. It's the other spots that uh, need the attention. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And I just, uh, you know, last thing before we wrap up here, I wanted to, wanted to touch on something that I thought was pretty interesting that you put together um, back in December. And uh, it was the rankings of top 25 NFL players under the age of 25. Um, was curious that you had Kyler one, which I, I don't necessarily disagree with at all. I was curious that you had Miles Garrett, Nelson, and DK above Lamar. Did you catch, A, did you catch a lot of heat for that? And B, um, why Lamar at five? I, I don't disagree with you actually in those rankings. I'm just curious. Um, you know, a lot of people probably would have Lamar one or two. Um, so kind of just your thinking in, uh, you know, around those rankings, if you don't mind. Yeah, that was uh, that was a while ago now, right? It feels like that was a couple of years ago. Uh, something I wrote during <laughs> during uh, last season. Um, yeah, look, I, I, at the time, uh, Lamar wasn't exactly lighting it up. You remember uh, his, his numbers had plummeted. They, he started to pick it up more down the stretch, but at that point, his play had dropped off. And the point was, who are the until best Cleveland Until that Monday Night Cleveland cramp game in the cold, I feel like he was like, not playing Lamar Jackson yeah. level football. Right, right. So that was part of it. Um, you know, and, and he did take a step forward, was better in the playoffs, and, and perhaps we haven't seen his best ball yet. And actually, I think I wrote that in the column. So I still like him. It's just uh, there's a lot of talent to pick from, right? Kyler was and, – and honestly, Kyler kind of fell off down the stretch a little bit. But uh, he was in the MVP race at that point. Um, I have really no qualms with that. He was outstanding. Uh, Miles Garrett is an absolute superstar edge rusher, one of the best players in the NFL. Quentin Nelson is third on the list. I mean, who can argue with that? The guy is, an, again, maybe the best guard in the NFL. 
he's so good they may move from the left tackle now with uh, Casanzo uh, retiring. And, of course, D.K. Metcalf, Metcalf at that point was just doing whatever he wanted against cornerbacks in the NFL last season. He was just totally, totally crushing it. So, um, again, um, it was just the, the state of how things are. When I wrote that column in, in around midseason last year, uh, I, it's, it's hard. It's a hard thing to do. It, honestly, it's hard to cut down. There were, there were guys that I wanted to put in the top 25 that couldn't make it uh, because of the just the abundance of young talent in the NFL uh, right now. But again, there's, there's no doubt, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a Jackson apologist that, you know, he's a, he's a football player and uh, one of the better, more effective quarter, quarterbacks in the NFL may not put up the huge yards with his arm, but he certainly makes up for that with his legs. So uh, definitely one of the, one of the best in the business. It's funny. I, I feel like I've always been, I was more on the side of like, I feel like I was overly critical of Lamar. Um, initially, I thought he'd be really good when he came out. I just was higher on Sam. I'm huge. I'm, I've said before, I was, thought Sam was the best prospect in that draft. And then Lamar, I didn't like Rosen or Baker, quite frankly. I think Baker and Rosen were more of, I just didn't like them. So that's why <laughs> I let my emotion get the best of me there. But um, it's just funny now, I feel like I'm kind of having to defend them, even though I may have been more critical of him in the past, but do you last question on Lamar just quickly. Do you think that there's fair criticism? There's been a lot of like, Oh, people aren't going, receivers aren't going to Baltimore because they don't think they're going to, you know, put up the numbers and things like that. Do you think that's more of just the media kind of creating that? Because I, I do feel like that doesn't seem that overly accurate. I don't know why people would not want to go play in Baltimore. Mark Andrews gets a million targets. If Lamar had a great, stable big body out wide I think that the, that guy would get a bunch of targets as well do you think that's fair for people to kind of put that narrative out there and I think there's uh there's some truth to it I mean it depends what you're looking for right and I I said kind of as much uh, a week or two ago I think it was on Twitter right like if you're if you're later in your career maybe you're starting start uh signing a short-term deal and you want to you know go for a go for a Super Bowl you know, Baltimore is one of the best teams in the NFL. They have an outstanding defense. They have a, a very good offense. Lamar's obviously a playmaker. You have a shot to win a, a Super Bowl, and you're going to play a lot of snaps, of course, if you sign there, if you're a top-end uh, wide receiver. But if you're, I don't know, in your mid-20s and you you're figure, I'm going to sign a two-, three-, four-year deal and then hope to get another contract, that's tougher because the volume's not going to be there. I mean, yeah, I mean, Mark Andrews puts up some numbers, but he's also, you know, elite in terms of target share. Uh, at the tight end position that's a ton of volume Marquise Brown quietly I, I'll say somewhat quietly saw a huge target share last season and was he a guy you loved in fantasy uh, or you saw lighten it up the scoreboard every week lighten up the box score every week no you didn't because they run the ball so much and Lamar scrambles and they just don't use the wide receiver position that much and if you want to put up big stats and get yourself a, another big contract you know Baltimore is probably not the best place to do that you can go to a high volume offense and and really uh, soak up a ton of numbers so I think there's truth to it I mean these guys are just like us they're, they're agents and and they are looking at the same kind of thing and uh, if you're not getting you know if you're getting five targets a game instead of nine that's going to really damper your numbers and, and certainly uh, perspective across the league so or, or a league-wide opinion of your, of your ability so um, I get it you know I, I certainly get those concerns and I don't think that's a media thing I think it's just a, kind of a common sense thing right it just it, it totally adds up so um, they're still looking for that, that next receiver. I don't know if they were really in the market for a, an elite wide receiver. And I understand why they weren't because they just don't use the position enough and, and they want to spend money elsewhere, but I'm sure they'll find uh, maybe a tier two or tier three, like a Sammy Watkins type to bring in and, and help add to that depth chart. Yeah. And they can supplement in the draft as well. I thought the Kevin Zeitler signing was exceptional. I wish the Jets paid him 
Um, I yeah. know he's up there. He's 31, 32, I believe, but was really good for the Giants last year. And they paid him, I think they paid him a million dollar base salary this year. It's somebody that the Jets could have easily targeted pre-free agency um, and gotten that done and, you know, be able to, again, I keep coming back to it, but that interior of the offensive line, I think is going to be key for whether it's Wilson, Donald, Fields, you know, the unlikely nature at this point of, you know, what's going on with Deshaun and, and things like that. But, yeah, no, you know, to follow, you know, follow Mike, you know, on Twitter, I think he's a, he's honestly one of my favorite followers. I'm not just saying that because we're talking to him, but um, super informative. Everything is with a, with a clear, good content take. It's not just to, you know, get Twitter clicks. It's actually, you know, good, clear content, um, lays it out, you know, great in that graphic that I mentioned and something you should have, you know, pinned to, uh, to it to your Twitter profile and um, follow Mike at Mike Clay NFL. And, um, you know, like I said, his work on ESPN, ESPN plus from a fantasy perspective, but also free agency and um, all your needs for the draft. So we appreciate having you on Mike and hopefully we'll have some better Jets stuff to talk about in NFL wise, <laughs> you know, come, uh, come the beginning of the season and uh, when the roster is a little bit better, hopefully. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. Um, it was a lot of fun. And just for the record, you know, I know I had a lot of negatives to say about the Jets here. Um, I, you know, I, I like the Jets, you know, as, as a fan, if I, you know, take off my analyst hat and put on my fan hat growing up, I'm an Eagles fan. I'm from the Philly area. So I love the Eagles, but I was always uh, kind of partial to the Jets for whatever reason. And my favorite player of all time, believe it or not, is Chad Pennington. Love him. If you see me on TV. That's uh, from really Joe, good. That people are going to like that one. That's a, yeah. that's a good, uh, that's a good one. I, the Eagles are kind of a similar Jet situation right now. So I guess, yeah. Yes, we both kind of suffer together for a little while, <laughs> but that's, yeah, that was awesome. Uh, yeah, but if you uh, if see me when I'm on TV from home, I have uh, some Chad Pennington, some Marshall stuff behind me on my shelves. So uh, people always wonder about that, but I, I always loved him, man. I loved watching him. I remember him just totally crushing the Colts in the playoffs that one year, and and he was uh, you know very similar to Drew Brees, and then he could just pick apart defenses. He had some limitations, but he could just with that accuracy could pick apart defenses. And as a kid, I loved watching him play. So um big chad fan uh again partial to the jets so i hope they turn it around soon and, and maybe they take zach wilson and he leads them uh the right way so uh like what like what they did with the coaching staff too um so we'll see i think that the future is potentially bright there but it's still a long way to go yeah no it's still a long way to go that colt's 41 nothing jets you know home playoff win against Peyton. you don't see that stuff often and the funniest part is when chad finally got healthy again in 2008 and the jets trade for Favre, and then the Jets lose to, to Chad and they go to the playoffs. It's just it's, yeah. it's funny how the NFL works and these storylines. You give up on a guy, and you know, especially as a Jets fan, and the Eagles to some extent in the past, and a lot of these teams, it's like a voodoo. Like, you give up on him. That's what I think as a Jets fan, you know. With Sam, it's like we give up on Sam, and then I'm sure he'll miraculously go to San Francisco or Denver. And if he goes to San Francisco under Kyle, he'll be great. And it's like – and it's just – that's the way it works, unfortunately. Yeah. It's like bad luck. Yeah, yeah, you're you're right. I uh, I I hear you for sure. And you know, Philadelphia's had a, a taste of that as well with Andy Reid, of course, leaving and, and winning the Super Bowl. Now the Eagles did in the meantime as well. But um, I hear you. So and and I I think you know Sam is a guy I liked as well coming in, and and maybe he can turn it around. Maybe he can turn it around for the Jets. Who knows if they go that direction? But he has really struggled, and uh, maybe moving on is is perhaps the way to go. So. Look, they just have to look at this quarterback market or this quarterback draft class and decide if they think Wilson's better than Darnold. And if they do, that's the end of the conversation. You take you take Wilson. You do you don't get caught in you know maybe we have a quarterback. You know you know the the Cardinals thought maybe they had a quarterback and Josh Rosen a couple of years ago. And what did they do? They made the right call. They moved on. Uh, they got themselves Kyler yeah, Murray. Rosen's not good. Yeah, there's oh. <laughs> there's no uh, 
there's no regrets there in Arizona. So uh, Jets have to have that same mindset. You know, I, like I said, I appreciate coming on. Hopefully, uh, you know, Zach Wilson has no hot tubs in his dorm room at BYU and um, he can be successful here in New York. But um, yeah, no, we appreciate coming on. And um, like I said, make sure you follow Mike. I, I really, I do mean that. To, he's a great follow. And I think, uh, you know, fans of the Jets or fans of the NFL as a whole will really enjoy it. So uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll look forward to talking to you soon. All right. Sounds good. Thank you very much.